This is the Watershed Podcast. Watershed is a worshiping community of Heart of White Ministries, located near the sandy beaches of Lake Michigan in the city of Holland. We gather on Sunday mornings to study the Bible and learn what it teaches. Join us and discover the scriptures for yourself. This morning in our kind of series, long series, uh, up until kind of, I want to say it's going to be May, but it's looking at the birth of Jesus to the birth of the church. We're journeying through really the life of Jesus. Are we touching on every story of Jesus? Nope. Um, That would require a lot more hours on Sunday, and I don't think you want to be here that long, right? Amen? Amen. You're like, I'm not saying amen to the, yes, you're right, but no way. (laughs) No, so we've been journeying those so far. uh, Over the last weeks, I've been sharing this discipleship definition with you to be found in and formed by Jesus as we follow him. This has kind of been the scope of where we've been journeying, just uh, this invitation to be a disciple of Jesus, what Christ is trying to do in our lives, um, that he's trying to bring his life into our lives. He's trying to show off who he is and, and how when we live in him, there's freedom, there's an identity, and he's continuing to shape life. So with that, though, today we're going to talk about mountaintop experiences, um, or I might translate that as Oh, how many of you have ever had an experience you went, where you went, oh, yeah, ah. or in the great words of the theologian, Homer Simpson, do, right, where we get it, right? There's this aha moment. There's this mountaintop experience. In, in the journey of faith, right, there are, there are certainly moments in our journey with God where we're, um, hopefully throughout life, you're going you're gonna to have this experience of, of clarity, right? That something about God will maybe become a little bit more real, or something you believed gets confirmed. Some of you may have conversion experiences where you went, you know, one day I was like this, but the next day I was like this. It was this radical shift when I met Jesus. All of this I would liken to a mountaintop experience. For me, I literally was in the mountains when one of those said experiences took place. It was at Colorado State for convention. I was a freshman in high school, which was over, I was reflecting on that this week. It was over half my life ago. Oy, oy, oy. It was in Cherry Republic. I saw the drinking age. You must have a birth date of 1999. And I went, oh, <laughs> I looked at Kendra and said, wow, I'm old. <sighs> and then I started looking at my son, Sam, and I'm like, oh, it's coming close to your birthday. <laughs> right? But nonetheless, back to the mountaintop experience, right? At, at Colorado State, we were at convention. I still remember the speaker. It was a pastor in Grand Rapids. Brian Bosher was, he was talking about the love of Jesus. I had grown up in the church. I had grown up in, in Christian schools. I had heard about it. But for whatever reason, in God's grace and his, his, his love for me, in that moment, he made it abundantly clear that he actually loved me. Like it was a truth that wasn't just sitting in my head. It, it went the 18 inches between the head and the heart. It actually grabbed my heart. It grabbed my life. And I was changed. 
I'm still pondering today over half my life later of the radical depths of what that love means, but I can go back to that moment. I can actually close my eyes and put myself back in my 14-year-old self. And I go, man, that was real. Because it confirmed and affirmed the truth about the God that I love, the God that I had heard my whole life. And, and, and for whatever reason, God gave me the gift of that moment to assure me that that truth was real. I wonder if maybe you're like me and you've had a few moments like that in life. Now, the unfortunate thing is I wish I had a lot more. Amen? If you've experienced that, uh, there's a bit of life that makes us kind of crave that experience. We want it again. We try to um, go to worship on a Sunday morning and hope and pray that maybe I'll get another one of those experiences, right? Some of you are like, yeah. Others of you are like, dude, I go to church because I was told to go to church by my grandma, and I'm still afraid she's going to come back and kill me if I don't go to church, We look for that experience. We look to fill that spot because there was something so special. For a while, I thought, maybe I'll just go to Colorado State and I'll have more of those experiences. And yet, the reality is, we all come down the mountain. We all come back and step into the ordinary everyday life. We all come off of that mountain peak and enter the mundane. Had I gone to school at Colorado State, I would have probably had more stories about how boring classes were, (laughs) the best party that I had, (laughs) you know, you name it. See, we're going to hear about a a story of a mountaintop experience this morning. And I think there's a truth in there for us that, that God gives us a gift that doesn't stay on a mountain. So if you'll turn with me, Matthew 17 is our scripture this morning. I almost drank out of the wrong side of my cup. Matthew 17, starting in verse 1, we hear this. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Those three were kind of the three amigos with Jesus. I mean, they, they were his core group of guys. So they, they had an opportunity to experience some things that some of the other disciples didn't. And this was one of them. So they went up high on a mountain by themselves. And there, Jesus, he was transfigured. He was changed before them. Something spectacular happened. A mountaintop experience took place. His face shone like the sun, and his, glow, his clothes became as white as light. Just then, there appeared before them two people who should have been, who were long since dead. <laughs> there appeared two people, Moses, who God had given his law through way back in the Old Testament who led his people out of slavery in Egypt. Here Moses shows up a couple thousand years later and Elijah. And Elijah was like the prophet of prophets. Now remember, Matthew is talking to a Jewish audience, so it's important for him to bring in these hallmarked people because it validated, it affirmed something about Jesus. It affirmed that Jesus was the Messiah. Peter, James, and John got to see this. Matthew tells the story to say everything you always heard, Moses, Elijah, they would precede the Messiah. Here they are, and what are they doing? They're talking with Jesus. Oh. Right? They, Peter, James, John, they were living with Jesus. They saw him heal people, but for whatever moment, this was an aha moment. This was a moment where, I'm sorry, if somebody's glowing in front of you, you're probably going to be like, yeah. 
And we're not talking about like the Twilight movie sagas, right? Where Edward's glowing. No, no, sorry. (laughs) Okay, bring it back. It's so easy sometimes. Here in this moment, something spectacular happens. So, I love it. Peter, Peter the spokesman. Peter, the one who just has no problem leading in this situation. He said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Ain't nothing wrong with that. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. So, great. Now, I don't know, and we don't know what he was thinking in that moment. It could have been, cool, if we set up shop here, if we set up these tents, maybe this is how God's kingdom is really coming on earth, and and the fight for Rome is going to take over. See, at the end of our passage, we're going to hear Jesus say something. He says, don't tell anybody about this. Part of the reality of why he says that, it was so that people wouldn't misunderstand what was taking place. We don't know if Peter, uh, like my family, when they see me in a social setting, say, okay, Aaron, you just stay. We're going to go home. You hang out and talk, we'll we'll leave you there. (laughs) Right? Maybe Peter was like, dude, we're just going to let you all talk and we're just going to sit here and watch as long as we possibly can. We don't know what it is, but he says, hey, let's set up shop. Well, this amazing experience, this mountaintop experience, this glimpse of glory isn't done. So while he was still speaking, Peter speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. The same thing John the Baptist got to experience when Jesus was baptized. Again, it was a confirmation It was a clarity about who Jesus really was. This is a grace of God. This is God's unmerited favor to show these guys that the one you're following is truly who Peter actually just verses before claimed. He's the Messiah. And they get confirmation. Not only so, then they hear the the voice of God the Father actually speak and say, yeah, this is my son, so listen to him. Now, this experience becomes a little much for them. I don't know about you, it would be probably a little much for me. I would follow in their footsteps when it says this. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. (laughs) Okay, I can deal with glowing people. I can deal with dead people from 2,000 years ago. But now a voice out of nowhere that can kind of shake the mountains. (gasps) And yet here again is a character of Jesus. He doesn't say, hey, boneheads, get up. What does he do? Jesus came, and the God who was glowing touched them. That the God who, at the very beginning of the book of Matthew, was Emmanuel, God with us, came and touched them and said what? Don't be afraid. One of the greatest messages we have with our God is the one who, who should cause us to fear. I mean, at, at the very sight of the glory of God, when we glimpse heaven like that, I mean, it should probably make us shake, and yet that God is not against us. He's for us, and so we do not fear. And then what happens? When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. And as they see Jesus, what happens next? They go down. As they were going down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. 
Because it's easy to translate these, these glorious moments. It's easy to take these glimpses of glory and, and live out of them, right? And, and expect life to be that. That's kind of actually the tragedy of the text for us this morning. Is all of us were built to experience that. Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. They got to see his glory with nothing in the way. Peter, James, and John on the mountaintop got to see the full glory of God. They got to see the the division between heaven and earth now was gone. Who wouldn't want to stay there, amen? Right? That's what we were built for. That's what we were made for. And yet the tragedy is they had to go back down the mountain. I had to leave Colorado State. When I experienced God in the mountains of Greece as I was reading the New Testament, seeing where Paul, this follower of Jesus, was was journeying, and I was like really getting hit as to going, man, God, you are laying on my heart to share good news with people who need to hear it. And if they could endure mountains and they could endure the wilderness, they can endure all of that, God, I must be able to. I had to still go home. We want to set up shop. We want to recreate experiences so we could get it back because it is an amazing grace, isn't it? When heaven and earth, the the veil is torn and and we can see things more clearly. See the beauty of the text, and I didn't really realize it until this week, is not in the aha moment. It's not in the clarity. It's, it's not in just this confirming moment where Jesus glows <laughs> and Moses and, and Elijah are standing there talking or even the voice of God speaking down. No, the beauty of this moment, while that is all good, I want you to hear that, okay? If you've had mountaintop experiences, those things are great. But the real grace in this passage is a God who, when we're face down, puts his hand on us. And says, don't be afraid. The real beauty in this passage is, where'd they come from? A valley. Who was with them in that valley before they came up the mountain? Jesus. Who, even though while he changed, he transfigured on the top of that mountain, who went down with them? Jesus. It wasn't about them setting up shop where this glory was revealed, this glimpse of heaven was there. It was the fact that the God of the world, Emmanuel, God with us, actually dwells with us where we are. That he's the God of the hills and the valleys, the mountaintops where the light shines in the dark places where it feels like all hope is lost. That Jesus would go down the mountain saying, do not be afraid. The Father would remind us that the one who is with us then is speaking to us. Listen to him. Listen to him as a commander that, that says, oh, or get it and get it right. No, it's listen to him because in him is light and life. And the darkness can't comprehend it. That we have a God who dwells with us, doesn't just show up in glory, praise God for the mountaintop, but he's with us every day of the ordinary, the mundane, the today, when I feel like that mountaintop is a long ways away. See, that's the beauty of Jesus. One of the next times he's on a mountain, 
he says to the disciples as he's ascending back to his throne, he says, I'm going to be with you always. In the book of John, he says this. How does that happen? What does that look like? That he's with us always. He's actually tabernacling. He's building a shelter to stay in within each of us. Here, how Jesus explains it in John 14. If you love me, keep my commands, right? Listen to what I have to say. We'll talk about that a little bit more in just a moment. He goes, and I'll ask the Father, then if you're listening to me, right, if you're being found in me and you're formed by me as you're following me, there's that discipleship definition. This is what you can trust in, that I will ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate or counselor, we could say, to help you in what? Be with you forever. That while Jesus' life was momentary on this earth, that a mountaintop experience is only what feels like probably a split second. God says he's going to give us his presence forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. So it's not even Jesus setting up a shelter for Jesus here and me here. That when we go down the mountain, Jesus comes with us. But when he says, when he's going to leave and go back to his throne, what does he say? I will not leave you as an orphan. I'll come to you and I'll actually be in you. God will dwell within us. Man, you can't get more intimately connected than that. Jesus says, I'm with you. And I'll be with you through the Spirit. I will not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. Before the long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Right? We don't have to go find him on a mountaintop. We'll be found by him because he's in us. He says, because I live, you also will live. On that day, you'll realize that I'm in the Father. You're in me and I'm in you. That's, that's the great revelation. He says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. I think in my journey with Christ, one of the things that I've realized is while I love those mountaintop experiences, while I've tried to recreate them, I've tried to find them, I've paid for them. Right? How many of you ever paid to go see a good worship concert? Right? Nothing wrong with that. It's awesome. But it never quite was that moment, that aha moment that God did and showed up and did something, whatever he needed to do for me in that time. Like, I could never make it happen. But what I realized is I don't need those moments as much anymore in life. You know why? Because I've begun to see God present with me each and every day. In the ordinary, in the mundane, in the diaper changing, and in looking at the beauty of creation. I've, I've seen when I'm, I'm like at my wit's end, and yet my kid comes and gives me a hug. I've seen it in forgiveness and grace offered in, with my wife and my relationship. There's no way we'd make it nearly 17 years now. And some of you are like, 17? You're only half of what we got. You know, like, some of you are going, 17? Dear God. But man, that's, I, I see God show up. The Holy Spirit is there and present. Where, man, these mountaintop experiences are great. Don't get me wrong. But the reality is I've seen God more in the ordinary. I've seen God put the little bit of extra on that ordinary. I've seen a God who transforms. Do I see it all the time? No. 
But the more I've experienced it in the valleys, the more that I actually have felt secure because it's been the valley and the mountaintop. It wasn't somewhere that I had to go find again. It was the God who found me and finds you and is with you. Whether you're standing in the peaks or walking along in the prairies, God is with us. Praise God for an experience that Peter, James, John got to see. But it was for them, for that moment. Spur them on. Matthew shifts in his gospel to the cross. We shift in kind of the life of the church into Lent coming this week, Ash Wednesday. We shift our thinking towards the cross. And Matthew tells this story. Jesus encourages, affirms, confirms for his disciples the truth, but says, hey, this one's for you. But guess what? No matter what we're ready, we're about ready to face, I'm with you. I'm not staying put, sending you alone. Now, I want to hear something because we talked about this. Here's the Father saying, listen to him. We hear Jesus saying, for the one, you know, listen to my commands. Listen to what I have to say. I want to hear for a moment what Peter, how Peter takes this this moment in his life. And what does he have to say about it? We actually get that gift in 2 Peter where he gets to share. And and again, this is the beauty of being able to study um, the scripture. I I always kind of read this passage in 2 Peter as the baptism of Jesus, and I didn't pay enough close enough attention that Peter here is talking about the mountaintop. It actually says the sacred mountain in verse 18. So sometimes, oh. But listen to how he interprets this experience and what other gift or grace that God gives us for the everyday. He says, I'll make every effort Uh, to see that my departure, at my departure, you will always be able, I'm sorry, after my departure, you'll always be able to remember these things. He's talking about to a community that's going through persecution, going through challenges. They're having it handed to them. They have false teachers trying to tell them other truths. I mean, so he's not talking to a a, a community that's having a great life. He's like, hey, this life with Jesus is going to be a challenge. It's, it's a rough road. It's, it's rocky. It is not because you are constantly, you know, one foot in his kingdom, one foot in the kingdom of the world, and it gets confusing. It's up and down. Anybody, amen, right? That's kind of life. But he says, I'm gonna, I, I want to keep telling you these things. Why? Because we didn't follow cleverly devised stories when he, we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. It's like, I'm not making this stuff up. I got to see it. He received, Jesus received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love with whom I'm well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from the mountain when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We heard this. And now watch what he says. So we also have this prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. He's talking about the scriptures. He's talking about God's word. 
prophecy isn't just simply forth-telling. It's telling the truth about the kingdom, and it's identifying the truth about the world and saying, here's God, and here is God's kingdom. Here is God's truth. This is God's story. And it will always show you, there will create a gap between the reality of the world and the reality of what God desires. That's, as they say, prophetic message. But he's talking about the scriptures. Not only do we have God's presence with us, he says we have this completely reliable word. We have this thing that's a light in the darkness for us. That God doesn't just dwell within us, he actually speaks to us. This isn't something we check off on our to-do list so that somehow we make God happy with us, right? Kind of like the, I go to church so my grandma doesn't kill me kind of thing, right? No, it's that I get to hear from God. I get to have his presence in me, that he's coaching me along, not simply on a mountaintop, but he's going with me in the everyday, the ordinary, the boring, the mundane, the spectacular What an amazing grace. Peter says, when I look back on that, the thing that helps me is that his word is alive. I'm not left alone. He's not craving back the mountain because he trusts in the reliability of God's word, his presence and his word. He says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. This isn't some man-made story. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by what? The Holy Spirit. The presence of God. That praise God for these mountaintop experiences. Amen? These these experiences that we get to have sometimes. (laughs) Emphasis on the word sometimes. Some of you actually this morning may go, you know what, I've never had one of those experiences, those epiphanies, those aha moments with God. And you know what I'm going to say to you? That's okay. Because our life isn't about the mountaintop experiences. Our life and the good news of the gospel is actually the fact that he comes and dwells with us and he's with you in the everyday, the ordinary, the mundane, the boring, in the thing that you do over and over again, in the headache, in the heartache, as well in the joys and the celebrations and the party. The good news is that God has come down the mountain. The God of the world came off his throne, and while Christ went back to a throne, he gave us his spirit, his presence with us. So we are never alone. He touched us and said, do not be afraid. Why? Because I'm with you. And he gave us a gift his word. This is not to try to ace a test. This book doesn't exist so you can just get a lot smarter. It's nothing to do with that. It exists because it's God's gift of his speaking to us in a real audible way. That when we read, we don't read simply to like go into a smorgasbord, you know, to cram as much food in as we can. We get to read and just simply listen. I don't always understand what these words say. You don't always understand what I'm saying, so what's, (laughs) right? The reality is it's God still speaking. As a God who is with us, a God who loves us, 
The God who refuses to stay off of mountaintops and enter into our lives. And when the mountain happens, we can praise him for it. In the reality of every day life, we can praise him for the fact that he's not there and me here, but we're here together. An amazing grace through Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you that you confirmed and clarified and showed some things to Peter, James, and John. Thanks that we get to see and look in on that picture. Thanks that we have had those experiences. Lord, uh, whether they were one, Lord, whether they've, uh, for some of us, maybe countless times, I don't know. Thanks for those moments. Um, because they're moments, again, God, where you show a grace. You're trying to confirm something in our hearts. Trying to bring life in the midst of lifelessness. So God, thank you. But thank you that our life isn't dependent upon the mountaintop experiences. While we love them, while we may want them, the truth is our life is in the everyday. And you're there with us. We don't always see you. We don't always hear you. But you are there with us. And you have given us the gift of your scriptures to speak to us. So God, may you continue to show yourself as real in the everyday and the ordinary. Continue to speak to us through your word, assuring us of your truth. Continue to show us your goodness in the midst of our life. And help us as we share that with others. Help us as we try to share with our friends and our family that you're right there with them. Show them your presence. Lord, we only see you because of you and your gift. May you show that grace to them. Open their eyes and use us where you see fit. Again, God, thank you for being a God of the mountains and the valleys, that you're with us always, even to the very end of the age. We pray this in the name of Jesus.